Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. And hello and welcome back to episode 35. The the goose has officially been unloosed here on Unloose the Goose, the podcast about agorism and how to actually make a difference in your own life, uh, doing some good and taking control and being able to, you know, own your own destiny without, without the state's involvement and without the, the bullshit that goes on in the rest of the world, essentially taking destiny into your own hands. Tonight we have Nicole Sauce and Jack Spierko and myself, Xavier Hawk. And we're going to be discussing how to get off your ass and do some shit. Not just <laughs> theoretical, you know, algorithm. We're sitting on our asses talking about people getting off their asses, right? Just for yes, this okay. is true, point taken. But we are all doing things to some, to some way, shape, or form. <laughs> We've all taken control of our own destiny. We've all decided that no matter what's going on in the grander world at large or with politics or whatever, even despite my dalliances in 2020, I think that we're all moving towards a destiny that we can say, I have done everything to the best of my ability to make my life great. And, you know, this bleeds sort of over into, uh, you know, uh, self-help and a little bit of entrepreneurial coaching. It, it bleeds over into cryptocurrency. It bleeds into permaculture and, and, you know, food production and meat production, animal husbandry, building, homesteading. All of these topics sort of rolled into one to kind of have a holistic view of living here on planet Earth in 2021. So, like we said, today's topic is, you know, how to get off your ass and actually do some things. And what I think we'll cover is a little bit of all of those different topics that, that I just brought up. We'll touch a little bit upon entrepreneurialism. We'll touch a little bit upon mindset and, and, the, and coaching in that regard. We'll touch a little bit upon homesteading and permaculture. And we're definitely going to talk about some cryptocurrency. But I think the biggest topic at hand, the one the most relevant to us at this time, is censor kingship, right? Because we were removed <laughs> off... Canceled. We were canceled. That's right. Canceled right off of the YouTubes. The thought police came in and said, "We don't like that topic." Vaccine passed. Back, back, beep. So I think it's because we said the word vaccination. So just vaccination, vaccination, vaccination. Every episode from here on out. And we said passport. Passport. That was bad. (laughs) That was wrong. Think. And we said we were not going to get one. That was even worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the 1984 thought police came rolling right out on that one. Um, but haven't as everybody here so far has had some sort of cancellation in on social media. I think it's sort of like a badge of honor at this time. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not working hard enough. If you don't at least get paused or kicked out of something or yep. thrown off something that's as near as I can tell, that means you're doing your job. I, I kind of feel cheated sometimes. I, I, I don't really use Facebook anymore except to try to get banned. Yeah. And when I post something that's like really juicy, I'm like, they put the little warning label up or whatever. It's like, I didn't even get Facebook jail. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. I, I, I have created a hashtag, hashtag Zuckercock. Mm-hmm. It's starting to trend and they still won't ban me. I think I'm shadow banned. It's, it's so disappointing. It is. So what's really interesting is running an app and learning how shadow banning works. 
Um, <laughs> I figured out how it works. So how it work? <laughs> well, basically, if you get reported enough times, then it, it, in like Facebook and in you know Telegram, Twitter, whatever. Not Telegram, but some of these other ones. Um, there, there could be a automatic. Uh, shadow banning thing, which what happens is, is you can post, you can do everything that you want to do. It's just nobody really sees you. And it's sort of like you're just posting into a, into a chamber cell, basically. And you think that everybody gets to see you. And so you don't go create a new account to try to fake and get around it. You just think you're there. And so you keep doing it. And I was like, Oh, I understand. <laughs> we haven't done that. No need to. Every, like there has literally been no negative, uh, violence or pornography or anything, you know, untoward on the fire on app, which has been great. Um, we are still in beta, so everybody's somewhat reasonable. You know, we haven't yes. let Fords in yet. Um, but that, that, that's sort of where we're at, but I did get kicked off of Facebook for a period of time. I think that was like, a <laughs> five you're, you're still, your butt's still not on Twitter. Oh, I'm totally disallowed from Twitter. Yeah. That yeah. Disallowed. Yeah. That's that's not a good spot for me anymore. But you know, it's full of disinformation and fake news. <laughs> Have you been using Float app yet? F-O-T-E? No. That no, one's turning cool. into what Twitter should have been. Yeah, I was the featured uh, person of the the week on Float. I was pretty excited about. That. I saw that. That's cool. like, that's Float awesome. Of the week or something like that. Yep. That was pretty cool. It made me happy. It didn't really do anything for my following there, but it still made me happy. No, the more times you post, the more followers you'll get. It doesn't have an app in the App Store? No. They had one under what's – you know what Test Flight is? Yeah. Test Flight's like you put your beta in there, and so they had one in Test Flight because that's a way you can get away with wrong thing by being in their Test Flight thing. And all of a sudden it disappeared one day, and I asked about it on Float, and they came back to me, and they said that after seeing what happened to Parler, they just decided screw it. They're not even worried about an iPhone app. They're just yeah. going to be browser based and, 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 and basically Apple can just piss off that they that's know awesome. that as yeah. soon as they really build the momentum that that's going to happen to them. So they're just not going to do it because right. it really hurt Parler when Parler came back, which they seem to be gone this week again. I'm not sure why. Oh, really? Since they built everything on the app base and all the users were into the, the alerts on the phone and all. When it came back, it just, it just, it was gone, right? Because the user base was addicted to the platform being an app. So yep. it's like, we're not going to do that to ourselves. We're just going to, and that's like, they did something. They just decided we're not playing your game that way. That's, I, I think we're going to have like browser extensions that make web pages into apps without them being apps. And then that's going to get around all this eventually. Correct. I think we already have that. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can do it with Safari, but it's, yeah. That's, that's just kind of the next thing they'll do is they'll block it in Safari, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, Nicole and I were just talking about that and how, you know, I'm looking at the app of Fire on right now and it's really just a beta test to see how certain things work well, how, th- how we might get rid of certain things, but that we want to go straight to the web on a decentralized blockchain based web 3.0 that never can be removed, you know, like there's no central server ho- hosting the, the platform. Yeah, I think that's where everybody has to go. I just had the dude from uh, D-Buzz on, on my podcast today, and that's kind of what they're doing, but more in the Twitter format. Like, <clears throat> yours is more like communities and things like that where you can have groups and what have you, and theirs is like just kind of the straight like Twitter parlor float model, but yeah. they're built on the high blockchain and like, take it down, go ahead. Like, I mean, that's, and you know, one of the things we talked about is 
like there's certain things you do have to get rid of, like child porn or something. And I think the person yeah. who did that should be probably be buried in a hole in the ground. And it's probably from the FBI, by the way, too, if there is child porn being circulated. But other things like you shouldn't you shouldn't be able to just should not be able to censor people. And then that's how they built their platform. So they just can't. Right. Like because you can't trust people with that power. Like it's. It's, you know, if you're, I'm not a big Bible guy, but if you read the Bible, the whole period of like, you know, Saul and David and all, it's the great guys became king dickheads, right? Like that's <laughs> instantly what happens, you know, and that's, that's what the, the level of power a Zuckerberg or a Dorsey has today. Like I don't, if I ever build a platform like that, I don't trust myself with the power. That's right. I, that, that's, that's how the architecture for us we're working on is so that, there, it's you know basically like Switzerland. There's ten people in charge, and each one of them rotate out every so often, you know, on a, yeah. on a rotating schedule. So the power is not consolidated in one place. You'd be surprised how many patriots are really passionate about that sort of an idea now, which I think is actually a cool thing that's happened in the past two years. Limit limit of power, yeah. Like one of the things I thought was cool on uh, what Dbuzz is doing, and I don't know how it works, but this is a feature apparently. So like, if you follow me and you like what I do. And you think, you know, if Jack blocks somebody, they're probably a complete dickhole. It's probably because he disagrees with them. It's probably because they're a spammer or a scammer or something like that. You can basically clone my block list. So you can rely on others as like a generation type model where like, you know, if Nicole says these people are scum, then I don't want to follow them either, you know. And you don't have to, but you can. And and they're kind of putting it into like they're going to create some kind of like marketplace what I don't really understand because you wouldn't buy it, I guess. Maybe you would because they use crypto where basically you can see like the most popular block lists mm-hmm. and choose like, you know, or, or basically see like somebody blocks all these people. They're all dick holes. So I want to follow that person. It's, it's kind of a cool idea. I, I think they're also going to do it the other way. Like I can just instantly follow all of the people Nicole follows. Yeah. Cause if Nicole follows them, they're probably awesome. You know, that's a really cool thing. It doesn't so, preclude me from following others. It just adds them to my list or adds yeah, them to my block list. And that makes a, an easier onboarding with some of these newer platforms where you're like, okay, nobody's saying anything. I'm not seeing anything because I only have one friend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I need to have more than one friend. And I, I mean, I've actually done some of that by looking at people I like on float and just like, that's what I do too. Looking at who they follow. So you try looking people up and if nobody knows there, you're sad. Yeah. So post and you're like, who does he follow? You just follow like 10 people. Just somebody's there. (laughs) Yeah. What are they saying? And then if somebody like puts a dick pick up, you just block them. Yeah. (laughs) So what you said, Jack, made me think of something else you had said in one of our previous shows where the idea is come. The ideas express themselves at various points in human history, whether this guy or that girl or this person or this group divines it and makes it or like creates it or discovers it or codifies it. It's going to happen, right? It's almost as if the system as a whole is calling for this kind of organizational structure, right? And so in the vein of that, you just described a um, a mechanism that helps people figure out who their cohort are. You know, I can say, I trust Jack's judgment on things, so I'm going to follow his follows or block the people that he's blocked. What are some other ideas in that same vein that you think that the system is calling for as a whole? Hmm. It's a great you know, like, like I mean, DAOs, DAX. I think that this is very important. Yeah. You know, that I, I think DAX exchanges, decentralized exchanges, as, as we move more and more toward government seeking to regulate on ramps and off ramps in the fiat, and they're going to do that. 
and I don't like it, but I also know it's probably going to make me rich or richer, right? So I'm like, I'll just accept that that's going to happen, but we still need to be able to conduct business on our own independently without that mechanism in there. And if we have DEX exchanges, especially, you know, ones like Polarity, where if you went to Polarity and said, we know Jack Spear has an account with you, give us this freaking information. And they went, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, yeah. I, I don't know which account is Jack. Yeah. He, I, we talked to him. We know he's here, but they don't even know what my account is like that, that kind of power then, because Now you add in something like a privacy crypto, like a Monero or an R, and I can take Bitcoin that I received from Xavier that no one knows was ever mine in the first place, just do a quick swap through a privacy coin and then bring it out into my world. And even if I want to go into fiat, then that Bitcoin, as far as its attachment to me, appeared at that moment, and its past is gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's somebody else's. Literally, it looks like I bought it on polarity, which I did technically, right? And like, so I think that and, and other things like that, atomic swaps and all like, and, and that evolution, I think is hugely right up there. Cause what you're talking about, as I said, things like, you know, like the Tesla Edison argument about the way electricity works, but it was time for distributed electricity to be a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That, it was time for that. It was going to happen. If both of those guys never existed, Somebody was going to do it. I think there's a lot of things like that in the world that you get to a point and where you have these great rivalries and it looks like one guy ripped the other guy off, but they they actually completely independently came up with the same thing. I think that's that momentum in in the future. And if, if that has anything to do with government, I think I was thinking about this today. Like people think we're going to fight government. We're going to win. We're going to like in the history of humanity, we've never beat them. All we've done is adapted to them and they've adapted to us. It's, it's like this ongoing adaptation of like free beings and psychopaths. Um, because when like the feudal order ended, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, we didn't win. The people that were running the banking system, the, the, the upper yeah. merchant class, they didn't lose anything. They didn't lose any power. They didn't lose any money. They kept everything. Conditions improved for people, but I think it's because it was time. It wasn't like, You know, the kings are like, oh, gee, maybe we shouldn't be so mean to people anymore and keep them. And like, it was just that that idea had come. And I think that maybe we're entering another cycle like that as part of this whole, you know, great reset and everything else. It's not about winning. It's about adaptation and harnessing where we're going. Well, and it's interesting how decentralization is accelerating in so many different sectors right now where general acceptance of decentralization and ability for normal people to integrate that into their lives, where it kind of seemed hard 30 years ago to decentralize some things that are centralized. Correct. And and now now it's like, okay, we'll decentralize this. We'll decentralize that, whatever. And so there's no greater opportunity in time. Like the people who are alive now are actually able to exercise their rights and their freedoms way more and be able to separate themselves way more from the, the yoke and the teat of the state, right? They're able to take care of and control of their own finances off into a digital realm that is in non, you know, no jurisdictions. They can become digital nomads and be disattached from the, um, whatever nation state that they're in to a, to a larger degree than they have in the past, let's say. Um, and technology has facilitated this. And it's also facilitated things like food production. People are producing items and educational courses like our friend Curtis on how to grow your own, start your own businesses. It's literally like a revolution or evolution in human consciousness into like 
like humanity has been in childhood and now we're hitting those teenage adolescent years where we're going, wait a minute, our parents are up and there's all this weird stuff that we don't agree with. How do we do this ourselves? Yeah. And I think the decentralization thing is going way beyond technology as we think of it. Like it's not just about blockchain. If you think about a lot of the problems that we have, decentralization is the solution. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned like Curtis and agriculture. So like there's actually a market for decentralized agriculture now. Yeah. Not tokenized, but just not part of the nine companies that own 99% of the stuff that's in every grocery store. Like the very fact that it's not part of that central system is a selling point. Or if you look at energy, what, if you look at energy, if I go off grid, that's decentralized energy. Yeah. And all, all of these problems that we have with control and smart meters and, you know, will they let me do this or whatever? That's all solved through decentralization. In fact, I would say that almost every major, I don't want to say every because I'll miss one, you know, but almost every major problem that humanity is grappling with right now, the solution is in decentralization. And that doesn't mean centralization itself is bad, but for centralization or total centralization. So we can have like little pockets that are like centralized user groups and yeah. then they federated, but if they can't break off and do their own thing, then we have captivity, right? Yeah. Correct. Because humans are greedy and that's the problem with capitalism and that's the cap- problem with Marxism. That's just the problem with earthism. You know, <laughs> you get any sort of power consolidated in one location and people tend to abuse it. Like you just said earlier, like as soon as you become king, you become a dickhead. And there's this <laughs> notion out there that monopolies are required in certain situations like utilities, right? Yeah. Because it's so important to the survival that uh, survival of people or they're going to depend on this, that a monopoly has to exist there, right? Monopolies in the people. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, they tend to become I gangsters. can't think of one example where that's actually true. And so then when people try to bring that argument into healthcare, which is what they're doing in the U.S. now, right? It yeah. needs to be a government run monopoly because it's, it's people's lives at stake and that's the only entity you can trust it with. And now we no. have vaccine passports. Wait a minute. <laughs> How did it work? Why, why is it not working better then? Because we keep adding more government to it and it yeah. keeps not getting better. <laughs> well, and so I, I've always found it preposterous that the things people most need are the ones that are supposedly most in need of a monopoly. Yeah. So, like, if I'm providing a true need to humanity, uh, I have power because it's a need, right? Like, Mm -hmm. since you need it, and if there was 10 that you could choose from, then I'm 10% of all the choices that you have. That's a lot of power with a need. If there's one source of a thing that's a need, it's 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 ultimate power. It's unlimited power. It is literally the ability to say – you know, Xavier, we don't really like you. You're an agitator, so no liver transplant for you. Go die. Right. right? It's literally that level of power. And people say, oh, that'll never happen. Man, I, I, <laughs> anybody who says anything will never happen is just you've never read a history book and you've not paid attention to the last year. Like you, you just there are I, I don't like to be this way, but there are people where I just go too stupid to talk to. And when, when somebody says, like, that'll never happen, like, the earth is flat. You put your mask on and there's your sign. And we're it's done. already like, happening. Double it's mask. It's already happening. Put yep. the big anal swab in your ass and waddle off and just, I can't, I can't do it. I'm done. Yeah. So how then? Okay. So we have, you know, we have the understanding that 
monopolization and centralization of basic needs creates monsters. And then you can dehumanize people and turn them into two-legged walking cattle. Um, right. And some people fit the category, evidently, uh, which is very disturbing. How do we counteract that? We have each started our own businesses, trod our own path, and played by our own rules. And 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 I, I say if we were like cattle in the yard, you know, and they try to throw a, a yoke on us or whatever, we'd be the ones that'd be like, get the fuck off, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm busy grazing, motherfucker. You know, <laughs> like. Moo. Yeah, yeah so, I've like, always said be the pig, not the cow, man. Because yeah. a cow, like, you can literally, I don't know if you know what a cattle guard is. A cattle guard is this thing, I'll, I'll say for the audience in case they don't know, like, you go to these cattle ranches and there's a gate, right? But you don't want to keep the gate closed all the time. You don't want the cows getting out. So yep. they put mm-hmm. these pipes that are yeah. spaced out where if the cow tries to walk across the pipes, his foot falls in or her foot falls in, it hurts, so they don't do it. Well, once they know what it is, you can literally put a new gate in and have a road going through it. If it's paved, you can paint black and white stripes. And when they see that, they're like, no, fuck that. That's a cattle guard. That shit hurts. Right. And they won't walk through it. Yeah. Try that shit with a pig. That does not work with a pig. A pig will test that. Like they learn an electric fence and they stay away from it. But every once in a while, they're just like, Try it for just for good measure. Right at the hair of my chinny chin chin, right? I wonder. I want, ah, shit, it's still on. But this, if they touch that thing and, some grass got up on it. It's like, hey guys, we're out of here. And in one generation, they go from pink to, to looking like wild pigs again. And, you know, there's like four million of them in Texas. And yeah, we need to be the feral pig, not the cow. The cow, like cows actually like once they're conditioned, they like to be milked. And if you think about it, I think of the, uh, they do. They're like, oh, this well, they have oh, to be milked. Oh, yeah. yeah, they do. We, we've bred them so they have to be milked or they're, yeah. they're like, yeah. they, they don't Utter, just leave the like calf on them. They require taxing, right? Yeah. So, Welcome to Unloose the Goose where we teach you how to be pigs. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not cattle. No, but when I, when I look at the American, the American cattle, I, they look to me far more like the cattle of the Maasai, right? Not mm-hmm. only are they milked, but they're bled. If you've mm-hmm. ever watched like documentaries on the Maasai in Africa, they, they won't kill a cow because it's worth too much money. So they, they knock a little hole beside a cow and they bleed blood out of the cow and they mix it with the milk and they consume that because they get the protein and, and the, the, the supplement wow. the blood, but the, the cow doesn't die. That's the American citizen today. Oh, it's just a little hole. It'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. You know, it's just one mask. It's oh, just, now it's just two masks. Two masks. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, I think the only, already got one on. Is we can't worry about the people that willingly do it anymore. Like, like the pig that figures out I can get out of the fence. He might give a snort or two before he leaves, but then he's like, I guess y'all motherfuckers ain't coming. Bye. And he's gone. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. I'm going to go find some pigs that want to run and be pigs, you know? And, and that's, that's how we need to be. Like we can't, we, I, I've said stop trying to red pill people, stop trying to wake people up. Yeah. It doesn't mean stop talking about these things. And I think sometimes people think that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't worry about the receiver of the message. Like people eventually kind of some people wake up and go, things just things aren't quite right. And they start doing some research and they start to actually broaden the horizon. And I I think, honestly, if they find like me or Nicole or Xavier as the first person, they're like, no, they're not ready. They're not that far down (laughs) yet. Right. They got to like. They'll find some easier kind of on ramp things, you know. Maybe maybe it's Prager University or something like that. They just got banned from TikTok today, yeah. you know. Like an intellectual banned. argument for 
being against liberal lunacy, right? Like, yeah. and, and that's like, that's a starting point. And one thing we, one thing we also need to do, I think on our side is when somebody's starting to wake up, but you're like, yeah, I remember when I believed in that shit too. Like you can tell them it's hopium or whatever, but don't, don't crap on it too much because no. you don't want to send them back where they came from. Like you yeah. want to like treat them like a baby. When a baby gets up and walks and like goes two steps and falls over, like that was awesome. Do it again. We're not like yeah. you stupid baby. You fell down. You don't even know how to walk right. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't do that with babies. So we shouldn't do that with like baby libertarians or whatever. Yeah. We put a you gotta let them go through their evolution and help them and seed. You can't just pile on full on, you know, marauds isms. Yeah. Like you can't be a dick about it. And a lot of libertarians are dicks about it, which is a problem. Yeah. Because they keep pushing people back to the statists who are like, we're gonna package this really horrible idea in flowers and really good alcohol. Yeah. And just come over here. Don't worry about the millions of people who will be killed. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. But you know, those people it's are in okay. every, every cohort, every group, every idea, uh, ideology. You know, there are people who have become like self-appointed guardians of it and then they become dickheads. And like, it, it's in every, it's like, it's almost as if we were tribal creatures and, you know, anybody outside <laughs> our tribe were not welcome. <laughs> they they so. say that, like, what separates a libertarian from an, being an anarchist is about six months. For me, <laughs> it was about three years. Yeah. And, and what caused it was anarchists telling yeah. me what a stupid fuck I was for being a libertarian. And mm -hmm. looking back at it now, a lot of their arguments might have been factually correct, but they weren't helpful. No, right. They weren't helpful at all. So I've tried to remember that and not, not be that way with people. I can be hard on people, but you're heading in the right direction. I kind of want to bring you along. I don't, but I don't want to try to save anybody anymore. I think it's one of the things we have to stop doing. I wonder how much energy, monetary, so physical, mental, emotional energy is wasted trying to drag the dead out of the grave. Like, Oh no, they're rising out of the grave at this point. We've got. <laughs> Like Gen Z, Gen Y, whatever generations are going on, they're all like conspiracies that like they're educated on like all that stuff that was odd to people yeah. five years ago is now like mainstream. And the the amount of consideration people give to every possibility now is like monumentous. And so it's it, the, the brighter we shine, the more sterling examples we are of that. um you know, self-responsibility, accountability, leading our own destiny, building a world worth living in, like that becomes super pure signal amongst the sea of noise. You know, with all the AI and data mining, if that's if it's as true as people say, and I'm not sure that it is, but I don't doubt that it is. Um, do you think maybe that's part of why they're so vindictive with the censorship right now? Like, it's not just about steering an election or whatever. It's like Holy shit, this whole group of, you know, 20 somethings that we used to be able to distract with a Kardashian's ass are actually <laughs> starting to wake up. Yes. Right. I mean, like there's a whole generation of young men and I don't necessarily think they're making the right decision, but I understand it that are part of what they call the Met Gal movement, which is men going their own way. Right. Like they're just like they'll date or whatever, but they're not getting in a long-term relationship. They're mm -hmm. not having kids. They're not getting married. They're not becoming fathers. Cause, because a lot of them grew up and saw what the family court system did to their fathers. And they're right. like, I ain't doing that shit. Like that yeah. is maybe not the right opting out, but it's a huge opt out movement. And I think that maybe they're terrified that if this continues, are we decentralizing humanity? 
Like when people just start to say like, because if you think about it, like when I was a kid, if you watched the news, it was ABC, NBC or CBS. It was all the same. Right. And you watched whatever one your grandfather liked the, the, the anchor man on. And you had generations of cardboard cutout people who had standard deviation, but there was not this oblique frickin, you know, outlier class to a large degree as there is now. And you have basically what are dysfunctional humans that would not fit in a capitalist or any, you know, functional society that's not spoon fed to them. And yeah. so you have a, an entire dependency class, a dependency generation. And when all of its coercion, the only thing that will work is inspiration at that point. And we're getting to that point in my perspective, which is why I brought up the question in the first place about, you know, a time for things. And I think that this fundamental idea of inspiring people into a positive future, not one based on pushed by, manipulated by, coerced by fear, but like the carrot rather than the stick, right? And I think that's all this decentralization is bringing that because people are like in a free market going and finding the best options to use the best decentralized exchange, you know, which is the best cryptocurrency and they're crowdsourcing their Intel from people on TikTok or on forums or on, you know, websites and, and, and apps like Firon and, and float now and all of these different ones. It's like the crowdsourced intelligence will bring the best solutions rather than like an AI telling you, this is how it has to be human. That is how it has to be. I think one of the things we underestimate is how scared people are of freedom, like real freedom. I know. And it's hard when you have decided, okay, I'm going to be free, which means it's a choice. Even if I am put in a four foot by four foot by four foot box that I'm never allowed out of, which would be very uncomfortable, I can be free in my mind in that box. It's a choice. And people who have had years in a situation like that who come out with their sanity intact chose to be free in that box. Mm -hmm. And so then when you look at, at us, we're in a much easier situation where it's, you know, choosing freedom doesn't mean I'm going to get locked up next week yet. Right. So, (laughs) I mean, who knows what'll happen next. I can just go do it. I get some weird looks and I go on with my life. Um, that's actually pretty freaking awesome. But the consequence of that decision is if I get really sick and haven't thought about how to take care of myself, or if I make a decision that means money isn't coming in next week because I burnt all the coffee beans or whatever it is, that's my fault and I have to deal with it. And that's what people, that is what they're afraid of when they think about, well, you can't just, it's two things. You can't just let people do whatever they want because they'll, poop in the creek that's that's the one thing or welcome to i gotta clean up the creek right so it's all about pooping in the creek but it's scary and and so when we have people just starting to go that way but you can tell they're afraid and then you squish them because they're afraid and you ridicule them they're not willing to face down their fear so this is why i've taught preparedness for years though you know financial economic uh good you know goods and having your physical uh, material needs met because then you it it removes a lot of fear people think that we teach prepping out of a place of fear that's just not true i mean it's i was gonna say a bad word but it's just it's not true it's just not what what preparedness is about preparedness is about removing fear so the average person is one to two paychecks from poverty so when they go talk to their boss and their boss threatens their job, they cower and they do whatever the fuck they're told. 
Yeah. Now, if a person has enough financial reserves to pay all their bills for the next three years without rating their retirement account, and their boss threatens them, they probably tell them something like, you know, I was looking for a job when I found this one. Mm-hmm. And that person either ends up finding a better job because that that ends it, or that boss backs the hell off because they're actually good at what they do, and they realize, okay, this this tactic's not going to work for this with this person. Either way, that person's better off. Well, just turn that boss into a bureaucrat, right? So, like, yeah. the reason people cower and do everything they're told, the reason people are like, oh, please give me another stimulus check, is because they're terrified of what their life is without being put on the tit and taken care of. Like Nicole saying it, when she was saying that the first thing I thought of was the meme and it's the two little kids and they're like back in a corner terrified. And there's like a little fuzzy bunny rabbit on the ground. And somebody years ago did this, the kids, they called they just said Americans and they labeled the rabbit freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, and that mm-hmm. is, that is how people are terrified of freedom because they have to be responsible for themselves. And they're also afraid of what others will do with it. And I mean, it, it It's a roundabout way again there, but it's why I'm such a fan of Bitcoin because Bitcoin is what freedom looks like because with fiat currency, you don't get any say, but there's people who can print more money at mm-hmm. will and literally take the value of your money when they do that. That's new money gets its value by sucking a portion of the value of the old. That's inflation. Bitcoin, no one gets to do it. And that's scary because when things are short or whatever, we can't just print more and bail you out with it, but it's empowering because, well, I can't steal Xavier's value from his Bitcoin. I can't do that. I can't just go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just burr and make like an extra 10 million Bitcoin and suck half the value out of everybody else's. And I think that's why I, I a big part of why I'm so enamored with cryptocurrency. It's more about the liberation component Even if it's not being used, you know, through Dex exchanges and privately, even if it's in the public, at least you still can't steal my fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so incredible to me how, like, even in one of our chats, somebody was like, I just got my first cryptocurrency. And I was like, yeah, yeah, congratulations. Like more of that, right? Learn, yeah. like we, not me, but people tend to spend time on their, imaginated their their imagined story of themselves and they live within the boundaries of the confines of that story right and it takes so much effort to actually change your configuration or your story and to put will into it and change your habits and your daily activities and you know instead of using your credit card all the time sit and spend 40 minutes and watch videos read learn how to use it and try it out you know and then get more comfortable it's i mean Coinbase is still available for all the newbies. Like you can buy all the kinds of cryptocurrencies that you would want at that stage and then learn about the DEXs, learn about the different exchanges yeah. that are out there, how they work, what are the benefits of each cryptocurrency, like dive into it. Because as Jack was talking about Bitcoin, I'm like, oh gosh, there's a lot of problems with Bitcoin in that regard too. You know, it still oh, wins. It's oh, still yeah, a winner. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys like 100%. That's, you, that's your financial reserve. I don't <laughs> care what the problems are. Agreed. Agreed. But the, the, my point that I'm trying to get to is operational security. You don't prep because you're afraid that the government's going to collapse and come take your shit or that the world's going to end. You yeah. have operational security. Like the same reason why I learned survival and bushcraft. 
because I can walk anywhere and know no matter what happens. And this happens to people who are really intelligent, right? Not that I'm all that intelligent, but the idea is, is when you're intelligent, you know all of the threats that are out there. You know that you don't know everything, right? And so you walk around with a sort of humility and a sort of humbleness that like, Anything could happen, you know, like if I'm not paying attention and have situation awareness, a bus could hit me like you. You are aware of the threats, whereas people who are cows, you know, tend not to. They're just sort of like, blah, blah, blah. I'll talk about, you know, Joe and Frank and all of the crap that we get into and not have any consideration for all of that. But when you have a modicum of understanding that there is so much going on that you're not aware of, then you want to have as much operational security as possible or at least a response that you can have for the world around you. Learning bushcraft, learning homesteading, learning how to take care of yourself, learning how to run a business and take and spend that willpower and that energy to learn. Right. Learn how businesses work. Learn how to uh, not do tax avoidance. But, you know, what is the phrase you use, Jack? Status jujitsu. Yeah. Status jujitsu. There you go. Right. So you can use the system that's built there to your benefit. Right. I mean, it was all done by lobbyists and they did it for rich people. So you start to start behaving like rich people, acting mm -hmm. like a rich person, thinking like a rich person. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Michael Saylor stuff lately on Bitcoin. And like mm -hmm. one of the things he said, and I was thinking this has got to be like for me, it was like, yeah, I knew that. But boy, that's kind of profound putting it that bluntly. But I'm just thinking for a lot of people, they have to like they have to struggle with this. He basically said right now, holding cash is a liability. It totally is. It's a liability, even if nobody's going to take it from you. You didn't mean it that way. It, it's due to an inflation rate, a real inflation rate of about 15%. Yep. So if you're a small, you know, typical person that lives paycheck to paycheck, and maybe you're lucky to have a grand in the bank, and at the end of the year, that 15% inflation means you got devalued by 150 bucks. It sucks, but it's not, it's not going to destroy you. But if you're Apple computer and you're sitting on a hundred billion dollars in cash you effectively have a hundred and fifty a hundred billion dollars in cash you have what uh, a 15 billion dollar annual outflow of shareholder okay. value you're literally losing 15 billion a year in shareholder value you can't keep doing it and i think that's why a lot of this stuff like you talk about like a time and place where things have to happen like we're there like they have wrung out the value of the dollar for so long that now I just feel like they're like, yeah, screw it. It was a good fun. We might as well just get whatever we can on the way out. And so there has that's, to be some place to go. There has to be some other option. And if you look at it right now, what would you have done 30 years ago? If you, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about people that are sitting there with like, gee, I got to do something with, you know, even 20 million, 30 million, 40 million dollars. They would have said, well, gold, silver, art. I'll go art or I'll go buy commercial real estate, real estate. Yeah. And I'll buy, I'll borrow against it. And as it keeps going up in value, I'll keep borrowing money and I'll never pay any taxes. I'll have mm -hmm. constant cash flows. I'll have tenants pay for it. And I can go buy 30, 40, a hundred billion dollars worth of real estate. No problem. Are you going to do that today? You're no. screwed in the ass because everybody's doing what we're doing. They're doing zoom meetings and they're like, they're, they have burned out the monetary energy of commercial real estate. So you can't go there. What are you can do put it in euros. That's no better than dollars. It might You're be Bill worse. Gates, you buy farmland. You're going to buy farmland, but how much farmland are you going to buy? Again, we're back to like big problems here. Like Bill Gates yeah. went out and bought tons of farmland. Yeah, but like there's only so much you can do with farmland. You've got to farm it. I, I, I don't think there's a place for this money to go. Right I've got now. two. 
two thoughts. Nicole, do you have anything you want to say? Because I, I, it might take me a minute. Go. Okay, so um, number one, there is a scary bit to this whole cryptocurrency thing. I tend to believe in echoes of time, cycles, right? Like we're in the 20s right now. It's crazy to me to say that, but we're in the 20s. And this feels like the run-up to the crash in the early 20s, the 1920s. But I think it'll happen in the crypto space. And I think it'll happen this way. There's so many people using wallets like Nexo or different DEX exchanges where they're staking their coins and taking and borrowing against it. Mm-hmm. All on automation and they're going and putting it into different cryptos and it's riding and everybody, everything's going great for everybody right now. It's all awesome. Everybody's happy. And then when it starts, somebody takes out a whole bunch, you know, or the price drops and then all of a sudden all those people who have loans can't cover their loans for all those different crypto exchanges and the price just drops and everybody's going to scream and shout and drop out of windows and try to put their money into different coins, stable coins and those will go up in price. The whole fucking thing will be destabilized. What do you do then, Jack? That's why you should be mostly in Bitcoin right now. That's where the money's going to run to. That's where who's it's already staking, running to. Who's staking against Bitcoin, right? I mean, one of the things I think people need to understand here, like what you said is totally valid, X. I completely agree with you. And I don't know of another currency where this is happening. We have institutions that have gone to the big mining farms, and they have contracts. And they're buying that Bitcoin before it ever touches the market. They're buying every single coin that's being sold by that mining farm. Yeah. And we have multiple institutions doing this now where literally the mined coin is no longer even touching the market and they're going in the long-term hold pattern. So what you just described is a crisis. So when a crisis happens, people run to a stable asset. Well, a stable coin is not a stable asset because it's anchored to a currency with a minimum 15% inflation burn rate. So you can't go there. Gold is fundamentally limited because it's heavy, it's bulky, it's a pain in the ass. It's And you even though... It's limited. You can still get more. There's a lot of gold left in the ground that you can. So it's got fundamental problems. That's I, I have slowly over time turned into like an almost maximalist on on Bitcoin as far as what you're holding for value. These altcoins, I think some of them are going to win. I think 99% will die and go to zero in time. 99% will go to zero. You'll ha- and now you're going to have to have a use case scenario that's not it's valuable because it trades for this much on an exchange. It's going to have to be, it enables this thing that nothing else enables. It's going to have to be, it creates a, a privacy option. Um, I think when you look at currencies like ARC, where they're creating basically, um, what is it, marketsquare.io, where they're basically creating the gateway for decentralized web and activity, that has potential, could still die, could still die. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all of the leverage is that to me is terrifying and that's why I'm not I'm not in that space and I don't want to be in that space and I'm not going to be in that space um, but it'll affect it I mean it'll affect the prices of everything um cuz every cuz the price of things like you know the, the 50 it'll be a India ban crypto it was going to it affected the price of things it's yeah yeah it's still I think you're looking at like a you know multi-century monetary energy storage system when mm-hmm. you look at Bitcoin and it's because they were first and it's because it is the most secure network that humans have ever built. Right. Mm-hmm. So it won't matter. Like all of this shit can crumble around. it. I'm not going to say it's not going to tumble the price for a while, but it might actually drive it straight up as the shit falls apart. Like, so 
when when all the dot coms imploded, I remember that Google went up, yeah, Amazon went up, Facebook went up, right? Yep. Maybe that a short term correction, but the winners consolidated, and I think that's what you're going to see in the crypto space. And I know that'll make me unpopular with my own people, but no, that's 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 essentially the 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 conclusion I came to. It's like I will see the Bitcoin price drop considerably, eighty, ninety percent, maybe. Um, I will see all of these altcoins shake out like it's going to shake everything. And then you'll see the ones that people will be like, after all the dust clears, people are going to be like, oh, this is what's important. This is what doesn't work. This is what does work. And this this huge speculation game is going to be kind of played out. Everybody's going to be over it. And then they're going to get back into it strictly for like the actual utility of what these things can right. do, how they function. Right. We already and- did that. It was called 2018. You know, people ask me what to put their money into on the crypto market all the time just to see for speculation. And I'm always like, hey, so like until you've gotten an account, gotten some cryptocurrency and bought something with it, I don't want to talk to you about that. Yeah. Like get it, use it, and then we can talk because when people go in to speculate, they just do stupid things shit because they don't understand it just stick with the top 10 if you're new go get bitcoin get litecoin get ethereum get bitcoin cash get these guys and go and just you know use it it. and use it use it i'm all for using it Um, yeah when i talk about being heavy into bitcoin that's stuff i'm not touching that's that's long-term hold that's and i think that's where most of it's going right now and i think it's one of the most powerful things people can do I'll, i'll put it in perspective this way if you look at Bitcoin's annualized return over any five-year period since it started, it's 200%. So if we cut off the very first couple of years because it was a penny and we, you know, it's, it, we, even, even in the last five years, it's a 200% annualized return. Cut that to an eighth. You cut that to an eighth, it's a 25% annualized return going forward with dips and bounds and ups and downs. If you put $50,000 into something with a 25% annualized return, in five years, you have just under half a million dollars. Nice. Okay, so the, you can say, you know, speculation's bad or whatever. That's not really speculation. That's an incredibly conservative position Egypt, based yeah. on historical precedence of the most successful thing humans have ever done. And and if you measure it in money, humans have never done anything as successfully as they've done Bitcoin. Anything. It took Apple 40 years to be a trillion-dollar asset. It took Amazon 25 years to be a trillion-dollar asset. It took Microsoft something 30-some years to be a trillion-dollar asset. It took Bitcoin 11, 11 years. And that's something that, like, we have to, like, stop pretending that's not a thing because, oh, well, you can't buy a scone with it because Square solved that problem. Uh, Coinbase has solved that problem. PayPal solved that problem. And I understand that it's not Satoshi's vision. That it's, that it is centralizing the decentralized. But if you wanted to spend your Bitcoin on a scone, do you really care that it was in one transaction that PayPal did that actually had 5,000 transactions in it instead of one transaction you had to pay more fees in than the price of the scone and the coffee? I don't think most people really do. And we have to start like, okay, we, we mock the cows, but we need to plan our future based on what they're going to do. And they're going to move. And when they can go to Square and go click, oh, gee, I get Bitcoin cash back. And then they learn about that. And then they can buy a little Bitcoin. And then they can realize, hey, this is better than my bank account. And I know it's dumb as shit 
to hold your Bitcoin in square where you can never take possession of it. Yeah. I don't care. That's still a wall, a money wall that drops and then that money goes in there and then that drives the, the, the price up. We've got the corporations that Michael Saylor's working with. They're not going to be putting money in this thing for six to 30 months is what it's going to take them. The big companies, public companies, they have to get 35 people sitting around a conference table multiple times over a year to do an easy thing. And then they all do this. Boy, we're really fast at what, well, look how agile we are. We did, we did this in a year, you know, and so it's, it's all coming guys. It's all, all coming in. So, oh, dude, I'm running an experiment with the county of South Florida in a uh, South Florida county. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> they're going to, uh, use their, to replace their permitting. And I love, I know you love permits, Jack, permits and licenses <laughs> and all of that. Like it's super inefficient what they're doing because they have many, boroughs or you know areas in their in their municipalities yeah. all under the same county and all of them use different systems and it's so inefficient and people show up with paperwork and it's just it's just super bad same with dmvs and we're going in and we're saying we can solve all of this with nfts and they are like ah, the whole world has opened up so if you all out there think that you know, what China's doing, for instance, is really horrible. And it is the time for these kinds of decentralized blockchain sort of technologies and underlying architecture to our civilization. And it becomes a sort of Nikola Tesla versus Edison and who's going to win based upon what kind of future you're going to have. If we don't build one or build some that are to our benefit, then yeah. we're going to live in systems that are definitely not. And the people like us sitting up here talking with each other and sharing the ways we live and how to, uh, you know, make the best out of our lives. There's not going to be any more of that. It's going to be the predators and the prey, the, the farmers and the cattle. No more, you know, buffalo. And so that's that's, you know, why we're doing what we're doing is we want to educate, inspire, empower and give you tools to to move into that future so that, you know, we don't end up uh, uh, an endangered species. And just to highlight how fast this is happening, I I pulled up my app on my phone that lets me put fiat money from a picture of a check into my bank, which I've been mm-hmm. at since I was 16 years old. It's actually a credit union, tiny little credit union, credit union. in Oregon. You know what it's called now? A mobile wallet. Oh, yeah. I, I'm like, what's this? I have a mobile wallet now. So they're going there. They're going there fast. Oh yeah, the Chinese are doing it. I mean, they have the social credit system. Literally, oh, that's, uh. if you do not, so no, but it's true. And I, I have this discussion with very smart people who are like, "This is the devil. This is the worst thing ever." And I'm like, "We need to do it. Like, we need to do it. And we need to own it, and we need to control it, decentralize it, so that nobody can decide what those boundaries and rules and cultural norms are, other than the people who are using it. Because if we do not learn how to use the tools, the tools will be used against us." Yeah, you know, I read an article while I was at Jack's workshop from about Chase already implementing social credit scores in their <laughs> loan making decisions. And I have not had time to verify if this is true. I just read the one article, but it that's kind of freaky. Yeah, I think that if you're going to do something like this in a private sector thing, then what, what has to go away is the whole idea of a score and rather a classification, right? So like, or, or something, some sort of almost like a, a, a social taxonomy, right? So yeah, yeah. how do we form relationships as human beings in real life, IRL, right? We find common 
core belief systems with people. Values. Right. We decide I like Xavier. I like Nicole and Sal. He's a dick because he doesn't show up for, for, for shows. Right. So <laughs> then like he gets defederated. At the last right? minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sal. No, I'm just kidding. We love Sal, but we like Sal too. But maybe we have somebody we, we talk to and we just like, I don't like this person. So if we have a score on somebody, then we're saying, okay, they have an 88. What the fuck does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means that whoever's in charge decided they got a B plus. Yeah. Right. Based on their subjective interpretation of what a good person should be. Well, that's total bullshit because what that does is give massive power to whoever controls that mechanism. That's but right. if we have a thing where like I can basically look and go, Xavier always pays his bills on time. Well, I don't give a shit if Xavier likes to smell skunk ass. If he pays his bills on time, I will render him a services, especially if I don't have to go to his house and deal with skunk smell. So, so in that instance, the only thing, and that's like a credit score, right? A regular credit score. The only thing I really care about is when you borrow money or you receive a service where you pay after the fact, do you pay? So if we had a system that does things like that in other walks of life, that might be usable and have utility. And then I know I can trust Nicole. Right now, I know I can trust Nicole because I know Nicole. I've met Nicole. We've worked together for years. But what if I just today came to Nicole's website and she's like, if you send me cryptocurrency, and I know damn well if I send cryptocurrency to somebody, that it's gone, right? Mm -hmm. There's not much I can do about it, that she's going to actually send me this really awesome, expensive coffee. How do I know that? Well, because I know Nicole. But what if I don't know her? Well, if I can quantify this with these testimonials, that Nicole's coffee's great. It always gets shipped on time. If there's anything wrong, she fixes it. They're not just like, Nicole just went, hey, Mike's a good name. Mike said, <laughs> Mike from Tennessee, right? Like, that Mike from Tennessee is a real person. All of a sudden, the testimonials on a person's website mean something. So I think there's like so many things we can do with that to where I can make a judgment about a person as to whether I want to associate with them, trust their information, do business with them. And there's things like this. I just wonder if we can tokenize it or do something that makes it more accessible. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when the COVID shit went down, I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a dude from Yale and he was like, hydroxychloroquine works, zinc works. I can't believe I have to say this. I can't believe people are censoring me. And when I looked this dude up, it's like all his credentials were through the roof. It's like one of the most prominent epidemiologists in the world. But then there was this score and I don't remember what it's called, but his was like, 180 or some shit like that. And I'm like, what does that mean? And it turns out if you're a researcher and you do research papers, you're actually, your score goes up when other people cite your research and their research. And this like, this dude had like one of the highest ratings of people that are alive. Cause if you're like big time and you die, yours keeps going up like Sigmund Freud or yeah. Albert Einstein, there's right. like a thousand, right. but of living people, he was one of the highest in the world. He was rated there. And so immediately I was like, not just because I agree with his assertion, but clearly this guy's not some quack. He didn't go to like, you know, Albuquerque U correspondent school to get his medical degree, right? Like this guy's legit as shit. And I think we can do that with other things. And maybe you're right. Maybe it needs to be done privately and as swiftly as possible because once the government installs that system, if there's no, you're back to a monopoly, right? You become cattle, and you become yeah. easily manipulated. And uh, you literally and, get an ear tag with a number in it, and, and then that, they give you extra scores for whatever reason they want to. Correct. I interviewed. You live, a, you live I, in our housing system. You get ten extra points. 
I interviewed yeah, <laughs> I interviewed somebody from China in their social credit system, and I was like, so you know, because I talk about how horrible it is, and I'm like, so what is it like? Is it really you know, like, is it good? Is it bad? And they said, I can't complain, and they meant it. <laughs> I can't complain. That's, and that's literally it. They can't complain, and you can't do anything about it. And if you don't like the way it is, tough shit. You have to live in that kettle or that cattle range or however it works. So. Um, that's why we implore you to get off your ass and do some things, learn how to garden, learn how to make your own power. If that's something that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who that becomes their passion. And that's what they, they, I'm, I'm seeing this kid on TikTok who's actually making Tesla towers and he's just a genius. He's a total oddball, but he's got all of these experiments in his backyard and it's literally like towers in his backyard and art, <laughs> electricity arcing. And it's like, there are people who are doing some incredible things out there. Um, and you have the tools now, like you can go online and learn anything pretty much under, you know, like anti-gravity, which has been censored everywhere. But you can, you if you want to build your own homestead, you want to learn how to get water there. There's freaking towers that collect rainwater out of the moisture in the atmosphere now. So the the we have all the technology to decentralize, to to take control and ownership of our own destiny, to have our own little colony, you know, in the midst of the herd. Um, but the cool thing is, is that there are a lot of us out there who are all doing this and we're learning how to come together and build systems where we can all play in together, uh, you know, anarchists playing in in, in some semblance of, of harmony. And most yeah. of us are more than happy to show you what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's not and like... Generally, open know, up. I know how to grow a beet, but I'm not showing you. <laughs> you got to pay me fifty dollars to learn how to grow that beet, beet. man. <laughs> the easiest way to grow beets, by the way, little store and buy beets. <laughs> but buy the little baby beets, okay? And then uh, take them home and stick them in your fancy little aquaponics system, and they start growing. And then you eat free beet greens for like three months, and then the little balance. beet turns into a great big giant beet and then you eat that beet. There you go. That's how you, yeah, that's, that's how you get more for less, right? Without let us, beet. let us turn up the beets. See, the Jack, beets. I take tape with seeds on them and put them in my ground because I have dirt at my house ah, and they dirt. turn into beets in about three months. Not everybody has dirt. <laughs> <laughs> So let's say you're in New York City and you're like, oh shit, I, I didn't leave earlier when I should have. <laughs> and yeah, and now you're, you're like, I don't have dirt. What do I do? Um, some things that you can do are move. <laughs> move. <laughs> Indeed. Move. But now, you know, New York City. You know, collect water, learn to, learn to store water properly and what it takes. Like just learn. And you'll, this is the cool thing about all of these, these skills and all of the actual hands on stuff is the more you learn, the more fun it is. And the more fun you have, the more engaged you become. And like the next thing you know, like one little hobby turns into a positive thing that you're focusing on instead of paying attention to all the negativity, all the fear and being manipulated by those things. Cause then you can make decisions coming from a place of joy, of trust, of uh, confidence instead of you know, survival, survival, survival. It's actually, it's funny that you brought that up earlier, Jack. It's sort of like the antithesis. It's like, we don't do these things we're, because we're afraid. We do these things to be in joy, to be happy, yeah, to, to be empowered. To, to be ready. You know, it's, uh, so you bring up New York City. I have an aunt and uncle who live there and a cousin. And what happened during the pandemic is my cousin no longer lives there. 
and my aunt and uncle left and went to a place somewhere else for a while. But they've been back. And one of the things that that's always been in their life every time I visit is that plants are being grown and food is being produced in pots. Yeah. So they may have a very small footprint where they live, but um, she's always wanting that link with the earth, even in the city. And then they've set up their life to where they are flexible enough that they can, when needed, not be in New York while still getting benefits from a business standpoint of being in New York. And that's, that's been a very strategic choice on, on their part. So it's not that, I mean, like I wouldn't live in New York. That wouldn't be enough food protection out of a few pots for me personally to feel secure, but you can start. And when you start learning those skills, when that opportunity comes up in your life later, you at least have grown the beat once. And it's not like, well, here I am out in the country. Now what? Yeah, I think there's a lot. We we did a show on mental health, and I think there's a lot of mental and emotional health that comes from growing your own food. Even you know a few pots out on a patio or something like that. That there's we as human beings, I believe, are innately horticultural. Like we we really are not like where it all went wrong was agriculture when we started plowing fields and planting grain in lines. Our population swelled, and we became successful if you measure it by population. But we also became disconnected from who and what we are. But for millennia, for the time, a lot of the time in history that up till now, science has classified us as just hunter gatherers. We were horticultural anyway. We, we had systems, uh, for example, here in North America that Native American tribes were maintaining that, that settlers never recognized. They never saw them as, as horticultural systems. They just thought, well, that's the woods. And some of these systems, we've just actually figured out what they were, and they're just now in the last 20 years falling apart. No one's touched them for 300 years. Interesting. But we didn't even know what they were. Like the way that Manzanito was cultivated in in Southern California is an example. Like there are all these Manzanito trees everywhere that just look like they were wild, and they sort of were, but they were actually being maintained by Native peoples. Uh, specifically the native peoples that didn't centralize, right? It's interesting to me that the native peoples that didn't centralize didn't have any of the freaking problems of modern society. But like, if you look at the Aztecs, Hey, you know what? We got to throw a guy down the steps every once in a while <laughs> out of his system. Cause we got to keep the taxes rolling in. Right. Oh my like God. As as you centralize all of the freaking problems, all the health problems, all the emotional problems, all the abuses, all the violence, it just explodes, right? There's, if you live more tribally, and I mean in the traditional way, not the modern tribalism, like war is inherently self-limiting because, well, gee, we have a couple hundred people there, and they have a couple hundred people there. If we start killing the shit out of each other, some of us are going to actually have to die. Yes. Right? And then, like, my 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 brother's wife, I'm going to have to take her in because he's not coming home. Right. Like, so war becomes self-limiting. When you can have thousands of people contributing monetary energy turned into weapons that an elite few go off somewhere, somewhere else and blow the shit out of some people, war becomes sustainable. And boy, if there's anything that we do not want to make sustainable as a society, it's fucking war. And, and like so many of our problems come from that. So I'm back to decentralize for every reason you can come up with. You know, and the topic today we started out with get off your ass and do something. When you think about like, what does that mean to you, Jack? Why would we do that this week and not three weeks ago? 
Because we needed a topic today. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, really, I think that, like, I I think that we are reaching a point with what we're doing that you and I probably in particular with what we've been doing for a long time want to start seeing out of the goose audience. And we don't mean the people that overlap into our other audiences, the same type of thing where people are going out and getting shit done and doing things because I got really tired really quick back when I, around the time that I started my show, it's part of why I did with people talking about what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to make them pay at the ballot box or we're like, we're going to hold them accountable. It's like, you're not going to make them pay at the ballot box. You're not going to hold them accountable. You're not going to do any of that shit. You've got to do something for yourself. And it's it, it. What I think is interesting is how many people talk themselves out of it, and mm-hmm. how I think part of why we're doing this because we. I know you, and I know X too, but I mean, I know you really well with this topic. We get freaking tired of the shit of people talking themselves. We get tired of like the Debbie Downer attitude. We get tired of the um this whole like, well, they won't let me. Like, how many times have you heard that? Like, you know, oh, you can't start a business because they won't let me, or you can't, you know, really yeah. have a small farm because they won't. And it's like, have you tried? Who won't let you? Who won't let you? What are you talking about? There's thousands of people doing the very thing you say you can't do. They made going off grid illegal. Stop reading Yellow Journal with some hot headlines from freaking Mike Adams, who's a piece of scum. Like, <laughs> I'm reading this shit. Stop, like, taking this headline about one county in Florida, totally out of context, and thinking, oh, they made off grid living illegal everywhere. What the hell are you talking about? And I think so. Why? I think because we're frustrated with how many, like, I don't give a shit that the cow goes move. Right. I give a shit that the person that says I'm not a cow goes moo. Right. Yeah. Like stop yeah. mooing and start doing. Yeah. Stop mooing and start doing. Stop doing has to be a t-shirt. I love it's that. It's Jack's t-shirt line of the episode. That's epic. Stop mooing and start <laughs> doing, bitch. And some ways, <laughs> some ways you can do that, actually. Uh, Nicole's got a workshop coming up at the end of this month. Uh, Nicole, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Oh yeah, so we so like Jack, I do an annual workshop called the Living Free in Tennessee Spring Workshop, and it's a combination of hands-on homesteading sorts of things, and then small business startup or learning how to be profitable. And that's because if you're going to go into the homestead lifestyle and you don't approach your homestead like it's a business, you are a hobby homesteader who is losing money, and you will be <laughs> stuck in your day job for the rest of your life, paying for your very expensive homesteading topic, uh, hobby. And uh, we like to, to go the other way where your homesteading hobby becomes your lifestyle. If that's what you want or any life you want to build. Uh, so that's, I do it once a year in April, the last weekend of April, we've been sold out for a while. And I'm pretty sure at this point, anybody on the waiting list isn't going to be there because nobody is canceling this year. Usually I have a lot of last minute bailouters, mm-hmm. but not this year. Bailer outers. <laughs> Bailer outers. But we do, I shoot video of all the sessions so people in my membership portal can like check out. And we're doing more events here the rest of the year, just smaller. We're doing a chicken processing workshop in June and more single skill things. I got a question for you. This is just going to be off the cuff and we can talk about this off, off the episode at some point, but, um, 
I'm thinking about opening up a Spiron store here in downtown Del Rey and having it become one of the first Spiron hubs, uh, like a real world place, like a tea bar and food and stuff, but then also uh, goods and services from all of the people in the network, people who live and breathe the same values and who exude that and like take uh, accountability for themselves and want to do this kinds of thing. So like having like a little place for Jack's, you know, episodes and, and his like make a little card for his MSB and that kind of thing. Um, so that people can start interacting with economically people in the network, you know, and, and get John involved with the, with the freedom cells and like, uh, throw events and do these kinds of brick and mortar stuff. And then, and sort of the model will look like there'll be an in town, you know, hub and then like an out of town hub and they'll do business with each other. Right. And like the food will grow out there and we'll sell it inside farmers markets, all of this. And then, you know, you can live and, 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 you know, uh, take part outside of town and then also have a place to come inside because we love that community kind of socialization. So love to I talk about that. that. I think that that's, that's a great idea. That, like if you're going to do that, the first word that popped in my head when you started describing that was node. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's so what we, if you look yeah. at what revolutionized the 1900s, it was the franchise. Yep. If you, if you look at like, so, you know, you get these guys and they figure out how to make a hamburger faster and they completely organize their kitchen on a basketball court. And that was the McDonald brothers. But it was Ray Kroc who said, hey, we're going to sell this system and we're going to make this franchise. But that was still a centralization, right? It was a yeah. centralized thing. But if you can do what you're talking about successfully and it's a model, Yep. Or what other people can do, then it can become more like a node. Yep. So it's not that this location and this location are, you know, competing, but they're also not owned by the same individuals and they are sharing in their, their yep. marketing power, but they're also sharing in like their leveraging connection to others. That's, that's correct. The better one does, the better the other does. It's cooperative capitalism, right? Where you recognize that you're all playing on the same team. All true capitalism is. I, I, yeah, I love that idea, X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing I wanted to say though, you made me think of when you were t Nicole was talking. She said, if you are a hobby homesteader, uh, not treating it like a business, you're you're losing money, right? So you have an expensive hobby that you get some eggs from or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's true, and I think it, what it makes me think of is our mutual friend David. Yeah. What he said about is your things should pay for themselves. Whatever they are, they should pay for themselves. And here's yeah. an example of that. I'm, I love ponds. Dave is the guy that really got me into the whole pond aquaculture stuff and all. And, but like, you know, I learned from him, like, it's good that there are people who have more money than brains. That's a good thing. That, that's a place for us to sell things to. So we use goldfish in our systems and, you know, occasionally you get one with some pretty colors and you get this little goldfish and it is, you know, six cents for a feeder goldfish at the store and you put it in the pond and it grows to about this big. And then you put it on Craigslist and you don't call it a goldfish. You call it an heirloom carp. An Asian <laughs> heirloom carp. Because Asian heirloom carps are worth even more money and you sell this stupid fish for $50. Well, that just bought all your fish food for six months. Now that system is infinitely profitable as far as the fish that, cause you're not going to eat the goldfish, but the other fish in it that you eat, they literally are free now. Because you sold one stupid goldfish to one stupid person actually willing to pay for an Asian heirloom carp. And that just can be done so many ways and so many things. If you go to my YouTube channel, my featured video is me sitting in front of this little pond going, I can sell that, I can sell that, I can sell that, I can use that to make sweet potato slips. I sold $100 worth of sweet potato slips to my neighbors last year. Didn't mm -hmm. even try. Like, and like, it's all pocket money, but it's all money that, okay, now that, that little pump that sits in that pond, it goes, Bruh. 
that, that cost me like $5 a month to run, it's free. Right. It's now free. And if you want to do something like these systems you're building on your property, you, I don't think you should only judge. I put 300 bucks in it and I got $500 worth of food out. I think that's great. But now how do I make the $300 go away? How do I make the $300 not cost me anything? And then how do I turn the $300 into Bitcoin mm-hmm. so that it doesn't get eroded over time, right? Can I do it directly? Can I do it indirectly? How do I, how do I do this? And the thing about these little side hustles like this is you can do this almost infinitely and be left alone. Like, because by the time somebody comes to shut you down for selling unlicensed Asian heirloom carp, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any of those for sale. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to. Oh, some guy bought a carp for me, whatever. Like I, I didn't know that. Goodbye. Like you're not, you're not big enough. Right. So you're decentralizing your side hustles, I guess, is when you're doing. Yeah. That. Like so like anyone that they come after, what are they going to do? You have to stop doing that. OK, mm-hmm. maybe this year because I was done. Like, yeah, we need to think more like that. You know, like who the hell knew you could sell a goldfish for 50 dollars? Well, <laughs> I didn't. This if anybody can do it, David can do it. I sold no. a koi for three hundred dollars. Nice. A, a PetSmart, like eight dollar koi, two years. 300 bucks. Wow. Who knew? The other thing that I think about is doing what you did with your new pond. Yeah. Where your power source is a capital investment once. Yeah. And some maintenance in in the form of a solar panel, right? That that was even better because I didn't actually pay for it. (laughs) So a guy bartered with me and he did the work too, right? He brought two solar panels, charge controller, pump, everything. And yeah. I let him and his wife come to my workshop for free. And so I have solar energy running my no cost at no, no out of pocket cost. Yeah. It's really simple. Him. And I felt, I felt like I got such an advantage with that. I'm like, dude, you're coming to the next one for free too. Yeah. I yeah. gave him two free seats, two in a row because like I felt like I got such, and I think that's something like you want to talk about real capitalism instead of like, and I think this is where we get. We get in arguments with Marxists because they're Marxists, but we also, because we use different and words, stupid. because we use different vocabulary, right? When, when I say capitalism, the shit we're talking about is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When the Marxist says capitalism, what they're talking about is control of the capital itself. I don't want to change control of the capital from the banking system to the state, which is what they want to do, but I agree that control of the capital by a single entity is bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think we use the wrong words. Like we're talking about it here is free market agorism. Right. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And if you want to use capitalism for that, just understand that some people don't use the word the same way. Do you make their heads explode when you bring that up to them? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. I, I love exploding Marxist heads. That's yeah. I love free market agorism. You know, it, it's just I didn't even know what agorism was until like four episodes ago, Jack. Uh, when Nicole and I were on here and like, like fundamentally, I know what it, what it is and yeah. it's just cooperation, right? It's like the, the, the fundamental laws of, you know, humanity, how we cooperate, uh, the, the, the web of life, like that it, 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 it's almost like it didn't need a word because you know how some cultures, they don't have a word for something that's just so ubiquitous, you know? Yeah. Um, and then so it's like that. It's, it, and then so I use the capitalism and say, well, how, this capitalism, Marxism, this is communism, yeah. capitalism. This is what the big dichotomy is, the bipolar planet that we live on. And 
you know, it's sort of like saying, well, when we recognize that, like on baseline, we're all in this together, like there's no fucking getting away from it, you know, we have to figure out how to cooperate and make it make it benefit everybody so that we all benefit from the collective understanding that people have. The smarter everybody is, the better we all are off, you know? I do think we have to be careful with the way we use words, too, though, because, like, mm -hmm. is communism bad? If you're talking about a governmental system to control human beings, I think it's one of the most evil things that humanity has ever created, responsible for more deaths than any other ideology that's ever been created. And yeah. it's a subset of state statism, which is absolutely the biggest bringer of death to humanity. Okay? Correct. So, yeah, it's bad. But do I think communism's bad? What kind of communism? When, when, when a bunch of people get together and share a burden in a voluntary status, that is communal. They're being communal in their, their decision making, but it's not a system of governance. It's yeah. an agreement between individuals. So if we're using communism as an adjective, I'm okay with it. If we're mm -hmm. using it as, as, as a system to, to define a, a system of statism, it's like, okay, so we already went to evil, and then you went to the most evil shit you can come up with within <laughs> the evil. Like, you put shit on top of the shit. Yeah, I hate that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's one of the ways that we're controlled, though, is that we are trained to associate a word or a term with an emotion mm -hmm. rather than to be rational in our discussions with people because yeah. – I can agree on a lot of things with a communist about things that are wrong. Just like I can agree on a shitload of things that are wrong with the modern system for meat production with a vegan. Yep. It doesn't mean I agree with their overriding ideology, but we have a lot of commonalities. And I think we probably you don't agree with their solution as much as yeah. you do. Like there is yeah. a problem. That's why I raise my own animals. Well, that's evil too. Well, then that's where we part company. Right. If you want to shut down CAFOs, and by the way, that was another thought I had when you guys were talking about cows and shit. Like, I think humanity in the United States anyway, let's say in the, the 80s, was like free-range cows. Yeah. Right? yeah. They were like, like you were still a cow if you didn't know any better, but you were on a pasture. And yeah. It was wide and open, and you kind of roamed around, and you ate your grass, and you took a crap, and, and you went over here, and then you went over there. And like – We've been put through the feed shoots now and like the, 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 the free range cattle is not working for them anymore. So they're moving everybody into CAFOs. And that, that's, that's what it feels like. Like humanity is being pushed into the CAFO. That's the city. The city yeah. is the modern human CAFO. Yep. And we are just complex chickens whose behaviors are easily understood. And now because of these lovely devices, we are able <laughs> to be manipulated and pushed mentally in different directions and our behaviors can be modified. And it's. Yeah, I got I got a fire on for you. All right. Fire, All right. Fire on setup. And no man could buy or sell unless he received the mark of the beast in his right hand or on his forehead. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then just imagine you're a visionary prophet seeing a vision of like 2020 and a pandemic that wasn't, and everybody afraid of an illness that doesn't exist in, in the way that they make it out to be. And all you see in your vision is this. Yeah. That's how I'd describe it. Oh, yeah. Or you're from, like, the 1800s, and, like, that's, oh, what the hell happened to humanity? There it is. Like, that's it. Yeah. So put this thing down. It's another thing you can do. Like, unless you're listening to the Goose Group or <laughs> or Firon's Morning, you know, uh Baseline. Or Nicole or me, put this away. Just you don't need it anymore. It's only I, for podcasts now. I took my email off my phone, like 
Oh, I've Couple, never uh, had email on my phone. I took my email off my phone, and my whole life is better now. I just don't check my emails. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Someday you'll get the meeting request for tonight's show. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm actually having to because now uh, fire on tickets come come to me, which I feel so bad for the users. But um, <laughs> I, I actually have made it a point to check every day now, and um, it, there's very few, you know, I, there's a couple couple gripes that everybody has, and I get it, and I have the same effing gripes. And uh, I was telling uh, Nicole this before you got on, Jack, that like. We're just waiting to go to the we- the decentralized web. Like it's almost as if this is the another waiting room, um, just to show that we're actually moving and doing things to to yeah. investors and partners. And it, it's it's working really well, and people are enjoying themselves. And I'm distributing baseline, and I just figured out how to talk to everybody at once. So look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I just found that feature too, but I still can't approve people in the Goose Group. Yeah, so you and I need to talk about that after. Yeah, happy to. <laughs> And I'm looking at this float and I love like just the simplicity of it, right? It's like you this is this is what we're looking for. Well, assuming they don't get nuked. They, uh, I, I, I mean no, it does talk about like somebody else now. So assuming library doesn't get totally nuked by this federal lawsuit. Oh, by the SEC thing. Right. Yeah. Um so so float is moving toward becoming basically a library app. So they're gonna move their platform onto the library blockchain. So yeah. while float is very freedom of speech and all right now, they do have that vulnerability that. Yes, but you know, check this out. This, this is just a stopgap measure. And I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but this is something I'm super passionate about. Every Fortune 500 company I consulted for, every government that I started speaking to blockchain about blockchains to, none of them would ever, ever in a million years use an open source blockchain. Want to know why? Because they can't control it. It's too much exposure. And so that's from an operational security standpoint, boop, you can't do anything, right? So it's the idea of a walled garden and like, I'm going to use Ripple. I know you hate Ripple and I'm not trying to say that they're virtuous or great. I'm just saying that like they created a business structure and then they have nodes. It is a blockchain, but it's only if you're approved can you be in there. There's wisdom in that um, move. And then there's ways to mitigate the SEC lawsuits and all of this in terms of like sovereign banking and start setting your structure up jurisdictionally in the right places. So that's why things are taking a while with us, because we're trying to make sure that everything's set up in the right places. But for the immediate, for having like a social media platform where people can talk like float on a decentralized thing, like, amen, fucking that's where everybody needs to be moving. So why don't we all, I think we're, Pretty close to an hour and a half here. Yeah. Come up with just a few, like, kick in the ass, like, motivational, like, be a coach, like, with a football team that's dragging ass, like, the two-minute coach speech or less. And I'll go last because I want to hear what y'all Listen, I know things look dark. Things look (laughs) horrible. We're getting our asses handed to us. The state is coming in and giving us, you know, nanobots and forcing everybody and coercing everybody into a dark status hellhole. But you can buy a fucking $150 worth of solar panels and batteries and solar chargers over at Harbor fucking freight and go start making your own power and feel what that's like. Cause that's really empowering. You can fucking throw some seeds in the soil or in a couple pots and pans or not pans, pots outside and start growing your own veggies um, and eating fresh munch. We keep bees. This is something that, you know, keeps us connected with the earth and, and connecting with others. This is some of the most important stuff. You can do it. We can pull through this. We're all in this together and no one gets out alive. 
You know, I get up in the morning, too, sometimes, and I don't want to get out of bed because it is cold out there and it is warm under the blanket. But every morning I get my ass out of bed and I go to my chair and I think about what can I learn that's new before I start my day? I know it seems like a really simple thing. And sometimes when you've lost a spouse to death or one of your children is really sick or you think you're going to lose your job next week and you haven't prepared for it financially, it's scary. When stuff like that happens to me, I'm scared too. That doesn't matter. Get up, go to your chair, find something new to learn, spend 15 minutes making yourself better, doing something different in your life. And by this time next year, you're going to be telling me a very different story. Woot, woot. Awesome, both of y'all. And I got to say, when X started, I, I thought he was going into the Newt Rockney speech from the Dipper <laughs> movie. It, it, was, it was almost the exact same first like opening line. And I was like, is he going to take it back over? Yeah, and he did. Like, so you crushed it. And I agree with both of y'all. I'm going to. I'm going to be a little bit softer version of Jack for this one. I'm going to be the older, you know, fatherly football coach with this. And it, it's going to resonate with, uh, one of the Miyagi mornings episodes I did this week. And, and it kind of fits in with Nicole, what Nicole was saying. And that is start turning your routines into rituals. And what I mean by that is we have things that we do every day that we have to do to get things done. You know, I have to get up every day and I have to go let the ducks out or they'll sit in there and they'll bake in the heat and they'll die. I have to give them water. Um, I have to drink coffee so that I don't choke the living shit out of people. Like there's all these things I have to do every morning that are part of my circadian rhythm. My about a circadian is about a day. And that's you get up kind of the same time. You do some things and you, you, you get into that routine and routines are good, but they also become mundane. And what turns routine into ritual is think about why you're doing what you're doing and what you're actually accomplishing. So like when I dump all my tubs that have water in them for my ducks to swim in, I, I think about the fact that I'm actually watering and fertilizing trees that are growing food for me. And when I fill the next tub up, I think about the fact that I'm getting that ready for the next day and that I'm giving my, my ducks the gift of life because water is the gift of life, especially if you're a duck. Like your, your whole world is, is water. Like they're amazing. Like you have a garden hose and they're 200 yards away and you start filling something up and they, man, I, I know Nicole keeps them. So you know, like they're yeah. like, Oh, water. Let's go. You're like, so like I, I, and I'm engaged with them. When I sit down and I do my email, I try to like at least my first batch. Cause that's, you know, if you notice, if you get like a hard ass email from me, it probably doesn't come first thing in the morning. Like my first batch, I really try to think about helping the people by four o'clock. I'm like, you're stupid. Sent, right? Like, <laughs> like, but try to have those things in your life that, that are routine, but you actually understand the meaning behind them. And if you struggle to find the meaning behind it, like why you're doing what you're doing, stop fucking doing that. That'll go the <laughs> other way, right? If you sit there and go, I don't know why I do this thing every day. You're burning your fucking dash. You're wasting fucking time. Quit fucking doing that shit and find something productive to do. So the ritual will make the thing that is meaningful more meaningful and give you more deep meaning, but it will audit your life and help you figure out, like, I'm fucking doing this for no reason other than I thought I had to. And if you can't figure out why you're doing something, you probably don't have to and stop fucking doing pointless shit and start doing shit that actually matters and does things for you, your life, your future, and your family. Amen. And a woman. <laughs> so I guess that's been episode 35 of Unloose the Goose. Get off your ass and do something. Uh, if you want to help us out, help us grow, share this podcast with a friend that you think might benefit from hearing it. 
We are at UnlooseTheGoose.com. If you go there, you can connect with us on social. We're on MeWe. We're on Telegram. Those are the two places currently where we're the most active. And he.me slash unloose the goose. He.me slash unloose the goose. And you're very good at that. It's like you do it every single day, Xavier. It's almost as if I do this for a job. It's almost like that. (laughs) Friendly radio announcer. And then I wanted to uh, shout out a thank you to our show note compilers, the scribes. The scribes have us caught up well into the twenties now. So if you've listened to some past episodes, and are wondering about links you couldn't find, go back to the website. The, the, the latest few episodes are not show noted out yet, but they, they get them done within about a month of each episode. So you can go check out those links. And thanks, guys, for putting that time in. They have to go back and listen to this and write down all the random wow. stuff that we say. So I really, oh, really, no. really appreciate the work that they've been putting in. And drop us drop us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. And if any of your friends, you know, Farm, do permaculture, are into solar power, are into prepping, are into the Second Amendment and self-protection, are just generally into all of these cool things. Let them know because they'll probably get along with us and we'll probably get along with them. All right. Absolutely. And I just dropped the Gipper speech into the YouTube chat. Totally, totally wrecked started with this thing. That was awesome. <laughs> right on. That link will be in the show notes in one month. <laughs> one month. Unk. Unk. Unloose the goose. Take no views. Your paradigms run out of time, and we've got no.